Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. This morning, we're going to be closing out our Note to Self message series. It's been really great to dive into various topics during the last month or so. And this morning, I'm going to invite Cher Gatto up to join me for this particular one. Uh, Cher is a part of our Southridge community. Maybe her name or the last name Gatto sounds familiar to you. Uh, Pete is her husband. Pete shared a couple of weeks ago. Uh, They both are working with our hub ministry uh, that Southridge works with and partners with in recovery. And so you probably have heard Pete and Cher's name. If you could join me in welcoming Cher this morning, that would be awesome. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I was going to say that you guys are inundated by Gatos these days. So We're okay with that. You're okay with that? Yeah, we're okay with that. Pete was up here a few weeks ago, and you have Sam every day now. Um, and so I, it's just such a privilege for me to be here this morning. I was thinking about how long we've been a part of Southridge, and we've been here for 23 years. And so that makes, is this your 25th? Uh, this year? We don't go there, yes. We don't go there? <laughs> Next We're going to celebrate. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole yeah. quarter yeah. of a century. It's, it's yeah, fantastic. It's a little hard to, <laughs> for me to adjust to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, That is a pretty cool story. Uh, Pete joined us on staff yep. just a year into to my being here. And so our relationship has been very long, and it's just so rich. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's been amazing. And uh, just you guys sent us out after we served here. Peter served as the youth pastor here for seven or eight years, and then you guys, this community, sent us out on the mission field. And you'll hear more about our, our trip to Mexico a little bit through what I have to share this morning, but um, then we came back, and now we're launching our hub, which also is a part of the um, growing ministry here. So that's just been, it's been an amazing journey. And for those of you who aren't aware too, uh, Sam Gatto, a worship leader who is on the keyboard, is your son. He can tell some fascinating stories about being here when he was just five years old or so and uh, from from that time. So it's been a really, really rich and wonderful experience. And it's great to have you back, part of our, our Southridge community. Thank you. Uh, This morning, so the note to self is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, particularly verse 10, uh, where it says that we are God's handiwork. We're God's workmanship, depending on what translation you use. And so that little phrase is tucked into Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 specifically. Uh, Sherry, you're going to be drawing some thoughts from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you would want to read that, and just as you hear that read online, as you hear that read in the auditorium, um, just kind of zone in, tune in, as Cher reads uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 10 of the book of Ephesians, and you'll hear in verse 10 this idea that we are God's handiwork, and we're going to be diving into that significantly in the next few minutes. It says... As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yeah, it's just incredibly beautiful how that tells the story of the journey of our lives. Just so much that's rich in those passages. Sure, you are a writer, and you've written a couple books. Tell us a little bit about that, and, and naturally that causes you to think a certain way as well. Tell us a little bit about the books it that you've written. Does. In fact, uh, Nathan had sent me some questions um, earlier in the week for me to think about to prepare for this morning, and I thought, you know, as a writer, we spend hours kind of pondering like one thought, And so I thought, Nathan, if you go off script today, like we're in big trouble. We're going to be here a really long time. Um, So I was not, uh, so I I did write two books. Um, My first one, Something I Am Not, came out about three and a half years ago. Um, My second one, Regent, came out last month. Um, And I do have these copies that I wanted to give away this morning. So um, I'm not going to do it now, but if you're birthday falls somewhere this week, closest to today, uh, I'm going to give you a free copy. So if you want to come up after the service, and if you're like three or four or five years old, you can hand that off to your mom or dad. Um, But we'd love to, I'd love to share that with you guys. So looking around, I see all kinds. It's great that we have our young people in here this morning too. Um, How many writers do we have in the room? Raise your hand. I write my name. Writer wannabe. Yeah, yeah. Write, you write your name. I write my name. Is that a writer? <laughs> you count. Raise your hand. Yeah. How many? So go again. Like, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the coolest thing about the verse that we're sharing about this morning is that um, we don't always know the handiwork that God is knitting through us. And I didn't always know I was going to even like writing. So how many people don't like writing? Like, it's like a school assignment, right? You guys, of course, right? And that's how it was for me. Writing was always an assignment that I had to do. And um, But yet God was preparing in my heart, even beforehand, that I would love to be a writer. And so I love that scripture. I love that part of that. Um, When we went to Mexico, it was a a beautiful and difficult journey. And it was during the time that we were in Mexico that I found my joy to write. But it didn't come out of joy. I loved what um, Olivia was talking about with the hymn because it came out of a place of sadness, a place of anguish, of heartache. And um, I remember when we were down in Mexico, I heard a sermon by Dave Wilkerson. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He wrote The Cross and the Switchblade. He's also the founder of Teen Challenge and World Challenge. And his sermon was about the greatest ministry that we have is often out of a heart of anguish. And so that was the case with my first story, something I am not. We started our ministry in Mexico using horses to share God's love with the people, um, oftentimes families in crisis, uh, kids from the village, people in poverty. And we would invite them out to the ranch and we would uh, share God's love with them through the horses. And one of the first groups that we worked with was a group of young girls from uh, um, a shelter that our coworkers ran. And uh, these young women were maybe 14, 15 years old. They were really young. And they had these, they would come out to the ranch and we would, they would have their kids with them. So they were teenagers with children. And a lot of the stories that they began to share with us um, were really devastating. And I won't go into details, but they were really hard stories, human trafficking and being sold for drugs by their mom or their dad. And just like a lot of really bad stories, things that I couldn't process. I didn't know how to process that level of depravity. And uh, one day I was shoveling uh, the horse corral 
There's a lot of great thoughts that can happen when you're shoveling horse poop. <laughs> so I was just out there working away and shoveling and I had this scene in my head out of nowhere. It was like a movie, like I was watching a movie and it was this scene. And for those of you who have read something I am not, it's the scene where Billy, my main character, is in a bar room with his dad and for his birthday, his dad forces him to drink and then gives him a prostitute as a birthday present. And so it's Billy dealing with this lifestyle that is not his. And um, so I wrote, I went in the back room of the ranch and I wrote this scene out and then I wrote another and another and another and I had no idea where the story was gonna go at all until 350 pages later, Billy's story was born. And I looked back on it, and I realized that I needed that to process through everything that I was experiencing. I needed that, but I needed, I needed hope. I needed redemption. Um, a little part of that story that I didn't tell you is about a couple months later, uh, the, the women's shelter got closed down for a breach in security. And all those girls that we were working with, that we were ministering to, they got sent back, wherever back was. And I was devastated by that. And so when I was writing and writing and writing, I needed that hope, that redemption ending to my story um, so that's how my writing ministry started. It was out of like that, that heart of, of anguish, that sadness from that. Wow, it's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Sure, uh, how has writing stories shaped your life or, or even how you see your life personally? Uh, often, especially in our world, um, we see our lives just like disconnected pieces. Yeah. Uh, disconnected parts, and it's it's very atomistic, just pieces. Um, how has your passion as a writer just even impacted how you see your life personally, uh, from God's perspective? Yeah, that's that's great. Um, so for me, story is so powerful, right? That's why Jesus told parables because they were so powerful. They were like simple truths that somebody could understand, but there was always something like deeper underneath that simple story. And I, I love that. Um, as a writer, I tend to be super focused detail. So I'm a detailed person. I don't know if you guys are, but I, if you told me to write about a uh, forest, right? I would whip out the magnifying glass and I would go right up to the bark of that tree that was in front of me. And I would look at the crevices and the bugs that were crawling in there. And I would, I would explore that. But sometimes in doing that, I forget about the forest and I can't see the bigger picture because I'm so micro-focused on the detail. And so a lot of times I ask my husband, because he's like super... Uh, desert fatherish, and uh, I'll say like, what? What's the meaning of that? Um, what's the bigger picture? And you know, I wrote, I wrote my first story. I didn't even think about what it was going to be about. I just wrote it organically. It flowed out of me. And so at the end of that, I was like, what is this about, Lord? Why did I write this? Because sometimes it's hard to read, and sometimes it's gritty, and it's difficult story. Why did I write this? And it was a really sweet moment that I had with the Lord. And he said, the story is about living under the wrong father and the freedom in finding the right one. That's what the story is about. And in the story, Billy grows up in his father's bar room, like I alluded to before. And he, he believes there, he believes the lies of that world, right? And he struggles to find himself, to find who he is. Um, and he's basically like dead inside. And yet he finds this baby bracelet. And on the bracelet is engraved from Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is like the thread of his destiny, of who he truly is. 
And as I started to dig into uh, Billy's life, I realized this isn't, the story isn't of just about Billy. It's about all of us. And it's about living in this, like, we can live as orphans, right? Especially before we know the Lord, like, like the scripture talked about, like being dead to our tra- uh, transgressions and, um, and living in the, the, the heart of the world and following after our own flesh. The whole beginning of that scripture talks about. But we can live in that even as believers. Like we can live the orphan complex, like not knowing where we belong and who we are. And we can kind of filter our lives through that lens, the, the, the lies that like we're not good enough, that we don't measure up, um, that we um, are inadequate, that we have to prove our worth. So we can live in that, right? Um, the orphan complex. But God has the other story, right? The freedom that's in that is that truly we are a child of God. And truly, we are in that other realm. We are, uh, we have treasures and riches. We have security. We have wholeness, right? We have all those things that God has written in our lives, all those things. And oftentimes, we, we don't live in there. So there's like this battle between the two, right? And, and so God, in his great love, desires that we experience him deeper. Um, and I loved, like I cried when we sung Oceans just before, because when I was at the ranch, I was walking around. It was right when that song came out. And I remember just weeping, like, Lord, I, I want to go deeper with your love. I want to experience you more deeply. Um, I want to trust you without borders. Um, and, and there's, there's this, this ruling story. So if you are, um, um, if you are a writer, you know this rule, but we see it in movies. We see it anywhere. There's a rule. So the hero, um, which in the story, my story was Billy in our stories, it's us. The hero cannot enter the story and leave the other side unchanged. The hero can't enter the story and leave it the same way he entered. So there's this process in life that God brings us through, right, that changes us. And oftentimes, it's the crucible, right? Oftentimes, it's those obstacles, the stripping away of the things that we think are important that are really not until all we have to hold on to is Jesus, and we find out that he was everything that we needed. Yeah. Really powerful. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, just incredibly powerful. You don't, you never leave anything the same way that you entered it. That's, yeah, wow. Um, so you have had several really difficult circumstances in your life. Uh, things that you've entered in one side and have come out the other. Uh, what are some of those circumstances, some of the crucibles that have, you have faced in your life? And how have you experienced that sense of, of change even within those crucibles? Yeah, so I love illustrations that teach me, again, as a story writer, that teach me like those deeper lessons. But I also love other creative Elements. So I think I did a stint with quilting. I did a, a, a time where I did scrapbooking, right? Some kind of creative outlet. And I, I was a painter for a little while. Um, but I hated watercolors. Do we have any watercolor painters in the room? Do we have anybody? Oh, so you're going to understand this analogy really well. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to show you this yet uh, because... This is really an example to me about my own life. So my mom is a watercolorist, and I had never painted with watercolors. I had used acrylics. Uh, My grandmother was an oil painter, um, and so I had never used 
watercolors. And I, I hated them. Is that like a really strong word? Hated them? I didn't like watercolors in high school or in art class at all. I thought that this was the dumbest way to paint. And when my mom said, let's do a watercolor together, I thought, oh, I don't know. Okay. You know, it's bonding mom time. So, okay, I'll, I'll do the watercolors. And um, so we picked our thing that we were going to paint, and we got, she got all the supplies together. She gave me some tips on technique. And we sat down, and, and we painted a little bit, and she showed me that in watercolors, you actually take the lightest color in the picture, and you lay that in. It's kind of like a wash, right? Am I, am I right on this one? And, and then you build up from that. So every layer is a little bit darker and a little bit darker. And every painstaking layer um, that you put on top gets a little bit more of the painting. So as I'm going through this process, I'm like, this is horrible. I hate this. This is, this is the ugliest painting I've ever done. And I'm telling you, I threw it out more than once. I threw it out in the garbage. I said, I can't, I can't watercolor, I can't paint like this. And then I would get guilty because I knew my mom was coming like the next day and I'd be like, all right, I'd pull it out and I'd work on it a little bit more and I'd throw it away. And this happened like throughout the course of a couple weeks and I really didn't like it. One day we got to the end and I painted in that last layer, that last darkest layer in my painting. And I learned this incredible lesson because all of a sudden the painting came to life and I could see it and it felt authentic and it felt real. And here's the lesson I learned, that it's impossible to see depth without shadow. It's impossible to see depth without shadow. So this applies really strongly to my own life. And I went through some, some difficult moments in my life, and I'm not going to go into them in detail. But just to give you an idea, our first child was born two months early. She weighed two and a half pounds. And we were in the NICU fighting for her life for six months. That's a long time to be in a NICU. I know a lot of you guys have experienced NICUs, and I know you understand what I'm saying. Six months was a really long time. And in that, in that moment, the Lord gave me, in a very profound way, um, the scripture from Psalm 50:15. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And so I hung on to that scripture up to the point where they walked us in and said, she's not going to live through the weekend, so you need to prepare your heart. Prepare your mommy heart that you're going to lose your baby in the weekend. And I had nothing left, nothing left. And I met Jesus in that place. And I came to the place where I realized that he loved her even more than I did, which is unbelievable and that the best place for her to be was in his arms and whatever he decided to do was the best thing for her it was a hard wrestle for me but through that I grew deeper about 10 years ago 15 years ago now the Lord called us out on the mission field and um, I was living next door you know the White House I had a white picket fence I lived next to the Moors. Kim was my best friend, and we were like Lucy and Ethel. It was like the greatest thing. And um, the Lord called us out on the mission field. And so I had to give up everything I knew. My home, my family, my friends, my church, my language, my um, the rules of, this, of our country. Like everything changed, right? But the Lord said, see, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert, rivers in the wasteland, 
to bring drink to my people, that they would praise my name. And he called, and we listened. And we're not really good listeners, so it's not about us. Um, it was just that we came to realize that the best place for us to be was in the center of God's will. And we went, and we grew deeper, right? Um, when I was 42, when we were down in Mexico, after we had started the ministry, and things were starting to ramp up, um, I found out I had colon cancer. And uh, I had to come back from the field. And everything shut down. We felt like, Lord, you're just, you called us out here. We're in the middle of the desert. We're like doing everything we're supposed to be doing. But now you're calling us. You have to bring us home. And it was devastating. And we didn't understand why. And he gave us the scripture uh, from 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 9-11. We call it our 9-11 verse. Um, and it says, indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope. So the shadow deepened and the girl grew in faith. Right. And. I love that in, in the song Oceans that he brings us out into the deep waters not to test us, not to prove that we can't hold up, but to show us his deep, deep, deep love for us. And I, and I love that scripture because it talks about you are his handiwork, his workmanship. And the word, and, and so he talks about the works we're going to do, right? Um, we have good works that flow out of that. The good works flow out of that, but that's not the crux of what he's talking about. He's saying, you, you are his workmanship. You are, and the word workmanship or handiwork comes from the word, the Hebrew word, right? Hebrew, word. right? Poema, and that means poem, and so you are God's poem. He's writing his story on your heart. You are his love song. And that mystery is unfolding every single day as you journey with him. Oh, I need to show you my painting. So I didn't throw it out, right? So again, the shadow deepens. So this was my, I think they have it up there too, so you guys can see it. This was my um, first watercolor, right? And uh, this was just an example to show you guys. So um, it wasn't until those shadows went in that the painting came to life. And it's the same with our own lives. Wow, I love that. The idea of the, yeah. The idea that depth comes out of the shadows. And by the way, just a little aside, I don't think you were going to share this later. Oh, no, you're not going to throw me off, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the daughter that you had in the hospital yes. just recently... Yes, had my first grandbaby. Yeah, yeah. And yes, that's really important. Not only did she have our first grandbaby, but he was... Um, to, he was a month early, and we ended up in the NICU with him. So walking into that was like fear and trepidation, right? Like, here we are going back to the same hospital. So we were at Morristown Memorial 26 years ago, 27 years ago when she was born. We were at Morristown. And here we are walking back, my little daughter and I, back into Morristown Memorial again, into the NICU, again. So that was, God, like, brought us there and did a lot of healing in that moment. And one of the most beautiful things about it is Megan's NICU nurse from 27 years ago was still there. And she's the one who took care of baby Elijah this time, 27 years later. school he was actually born during the elijah series oh, yes, that's, that's right yeah. yeah 
I forgot about that. It's probably why they named him Elijah, huh? Um, overall, what, just what are one or two themes that emerge from your life story? I think it's been somewhat apparent, but just a couple themes that, that emerge from that. Yeah, for sure, that one, that it's yeah. impossible to see depth without shadow and that we're, our lives are forged in that crucible, right? And a lot of times when we're in that fire, I think the other one for me is when we're in that fire is learning to let go in the fire and, and trust that Jesus is walking with you through it and he will see you through it. And the strength, all the things that you need to walk through it are already yours in him. And uh, so that's a big one. And so what I wanted to do, if it's okay, is I have a really quick blog post because I'm a writer. So I like to write more than I like to speak. But um, so I didn't think I could speak through this one. So it's not, it's not long, um, and I think it just encapsulates everything that we're talking about. So if it's okay, I'd like to just read this blog quick for you. I sat around the table last night with my kids. We talked and laughed, not about the things today, but stories of yesterday. My youngest son, Noah, shared one of his earliest memories. He was two and we were packing up for Mexico. Such a vivid memory for a little one. He remembers looking out the window at our garage sale one week before we left. All of our belongings scattered across the lawn. When he saw another kid pick up his racetrack to buy, he ran outside and tried to hand him something else, a different toy, so he wouldn't have to part with his favorite track his favorite matchbox cars. But I stopped my little guy because we just couldn't take it all along. And I let the sale go through. He had to let go. He was young for such a grand lesson. Sometimes life doesn't feel like letting go, but stripping away. It sometimes feels as if we have no say in it. The decision doesn't seem to be ours. That day at the garage sale, we got rid of everything that wouldn't fit in our van and travel trailer. With a family of seven, trust me, it didn't feel like much came with us. And each of my children remembers something they lost that day. But we packed in everything we could, everything we thought we needed, waved to our best friends down the driveway, and drove 2,000 miles to our language school in Texas. I remember, too, the day we left Texas one year later with as much Spanish under our belts as we could grab hold of and the whole world open to what lay ahead for our family in Mexico. Our last stop before pulling out of the school was the bodega where our things had been in storage. For a good two hours, we worked in the sweltering heat to shove our belongings back in the places they should have fit. Believe me, my husband is the best packer around, and if he can't puzzle it in, it can't be puzzled. Yet at the end, there were still six plastic bins on the sidewalk. We can't take these, he said. We have to. There was no bending in my mind, no compromise, not now. We had already given away so much. This was the bare minimum. We can't, he said, period. I sat down on one of those bins and I cried. It poured out from some untapped reservoir inside of me. The anger first. I already had nothing. Why more? God, will you take everything from me? I cried not for the things, children's clothing, pots and pans, but for the hope, the dreams, all that those bins somehow represented inside of me, my family's chance to start again, to have a home, a new life together. We took those bins to the school's thrift shop. One by one, 
the woman lifted the lid and explored the items inside. Oh, I had needed that. I had a place for those, I thought. Like my two-year-old trying to hold on to his racetrack that day, I had to let go. The woman smiled at all the items she could rehome, and we left. I think I might have cried to the border. And we entered a land so foreign to us, people we didn't know, a language we could, could barely speak, unspoken rules we kept breaking. When our first team came down from our home church, from here, our friends, faces we knew and loved, I remember the sheer panic I felt as they boarded the plane to leave. Please take me with you. Don't leave me behind. When our friends left, I experienced a whole new level of stripping. Not things, but people I loved, and I felt very alone. One day, a man came from the States. I don't even remember his name or why he was there, but I remember him. I stood with him at the ranch while all this activity whirled around us. A team was digging a trench. They were laughing despite the dirt and the grime and the heat. The man told me about a ministry he was involved in back home. He said the old timers would sit around the fire and talk about the good old times, the inception, the beginning, the glory days, the days that were rough and hard and took everything from you. He said how he wished he could have been a part of the stories of the life when it all began. Then the man turned and looked at me and said, someday you'll be sitting around a fire talking about the ranch. Because right now, right here, these are the glory days. And you know what? He was right. But sometimes we can't see it in the moment. Sometimes we just feel the loss. We feel like we don't have a choice, that things are happening around us. We have no control of, and every day something else is taken from us. But often we can't see from where we're standing. We don't know what's just around the corner. And what we think is a stripping away is actually a new beginning. So powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Cher, um, I know we're going to close with the song. If yes. you could just give us maybe a couple summary reminders and then introduce that song as our band comes up. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing today. And I'll ask the congregation to thank you in a bit. But just yeah, give us a couple mm -hmm. of, of hooks of all that you've shared mm -hmm. and then introduce the song and why you asked for that song to close the service. Okay. Um, so I just, I share all this today to encourage you that you are God's poem and that he will use everything that he knits in you. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. So all your gifts, if you don't know you're a writer yet or if you have other gifts that he is awakening within you, um, he will use them. If uh, it's your humanity, your fears, your doubts, your weaknesses, he will use those too. And even your wounds, those things that you think disqualified you from being used by God. Um, we are created in Christ to do good works, but it's not the works so much as the workmanship that is in you, that he is knitting together, and the mystery that he will unfold as you move forward. Um, I wanted to also close the Ephesians um, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 1, right before that, talks about God's promises. And this last Christmas, I prayed over my kids Christmas morning. They don't like when I do a bunch of stuff Christmas morning for them. I, I make them listen to things before they can open their presents. But this Christmas morning was really special to me because I actually wrote the Hebrew words from this 
verse on their hands. And they were very like, no, you're not going to write on my hand. I'm like, yes, I'm going to give me your hand. I'm going to write on your hand. Um, and this was the verse that I prayed over them. And then I, I want to leave with you guys and pray over each of you. It's from Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that over each of you this morning. Um, I picked this song. Uh, I always, every Sunday Sam asks me, or not every Sunday, because he has to plan like weeks in a, ahead, but he always says like, do you have any thoughts on songs? And I'm like, do the wick, do the wick, do the wick. And um, there's something about this song, like just being lit with the fire of God's heart that moves me very deeply. And so I ask them to sing the wick today, and I pray that it does the same for you. So you can simply just remain seated, uh, let the song wash over you, and um, yeah, just let the song wash over you.
just want to ask you guys to, uh, to stand for a moment. And we're just going to sing the, uh, the chorus of Tis So Sweet just together as a congregation. trust that we would be God's handiwork. Lord Jesus. Lord, I just lift up the hearts in this room, Lord God, each one, wherever they're at, you know intimately their journey, their struggle, their joys, their wounds. Because they are your poem. They are your heart song. They are the love song that you are writing on each of their lives, on each of our lives, Lord. I pray that for each of us that we would know that when we walk out in the deep waters, when we're out there, it's not so we will drown. It's so that we experience your love more deeply. Help us, Lord, today to trust without boundaries. Help us, Lord, to burn for you in whatever area of our lives that you have us, whatever journey you have us on, I pray that we would burn for you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, I would uh, probably just disagree with one thing that Cher said, and that is that you're a writer and not a speaker. Uh, why don't we thank Cher for being here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Cheryl will be right down here if you want to connect with her. Our prayer team will be to your right. God bless. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend.